Well, I'm excited today to be here to finish up this conversation that you and I have been having all month long when God gives us a brand new year. And not only that, he wants to do something new within the confines of that year. And if you're like me, you think that 365 days, a new year, 12 months, God, we're thankful, but it's a really big gift. And if I am honest, I don't really know what to do with 365 days. And so I offer them back to you so that I might ultimately fulfill your will in this year. And we started off the first Sunday. Pastor Eric said to us that God is going to do something new. And then you and I had this assignment. Can we perceive it? Can we understand? Can we walk in agreement with the new thing that God is ushering into our lives? And if we do, then it requires that you and I give God capacity. Somewhere we have to go clean out our cupboard clean out our closet for the new thing, and more importantly, we have to clean out our conscience that God wants to do a new spiritual work in our lives, and we have to give him new. And we started off kind of trekking with Israel. I hope that you can see this kind of synonymous with what's happening here at Common Ground, kind of correlates with the life of a people who were in bondage for 400 years, and they had to dare to believe that God had something more for them than the lives that they were living, and God had brought one of their sons back home, Moses, and he was one who would speak liberation. And, and here's what Pastor Eric helped us to see, that whenever God wants to do something new, church, that this, this thing is not always clean cut. It's not always easy to leave here. There is a great uh, step of faith that it calls for, and it's not always clean. And the problem is, is because this thing is not always very crystal clear. We'd like to think that it is, Uh, But sometimes we're required to leave this destination without really knowing exactly where this is or what this looks like. And if that's not bad enough, sometimes in the middle of that, y'all, we find that this place is messy. This place also requires a great move of God. Some of us get discouraged in this place, so much so that this looks better than this. But how many of us are excited that God will show up right here in this place? Today, we want to talk to you about having survived this inner space. Clearly, God has not called us to go back. And then we get close to this, and this starts to look like more and more of a reality. This starts to take shape. This starts to take a a picture because last week, Pastor helped us with that they were here once before, but because their unbelief and, and their faithlessness, that they couldn't walk in. And so they ended up doing something like this, just kind of in the wilderness, 40 years until generations died, and you and I don't want to be a part of the generation that's just twiddling their thumbs, not being effective for God. And now, here we are. We're in a place right here where God says, go take the land, part two. And they're right there. And then God does something that's extremely frustrating. They get right there, camped right beside the Jordan, and he makes them wait. You and I, for a few minutes, are going to talk about why God will make us wait when we're close. And what we will find is that we're positioned, but we are not prepared. Come on, let's talk to God for a few minutes. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your grace, and your mercy. God, for just a few minutes, we want to hear from you about why you make us wait. About why you won't let us go in and take it. God, we admit that sometimes that's more frustrating, seeing it, being close to it, 
is more frustrating than when we were back in Egypt. Would you send your word? Would you bless us? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you. Would you do me a favor? Would you lift up your cup before the Lord? And would you humbly say, fill my cup, Lord, and let it overflow. The word of the Lord in Joshua chapter 3 goes exactly like this, beginning with verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites, nobody's left out, set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. you got to be kidding me. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know the way to go. Since you have never been this way before, you've never been in a truly blissful marriage. You've never been satisfied with your job. You've never really been in a truly uh, multi-ethnic, multicultural church. You've never been there before. So I'm going to have to lead you to that. But keep a distance about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark and do not go with near it. Joshua told the people, here's good news. Consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And we're talking about a people who, who, who they're in Shittim and God is giving them this second chance to go in and possess the land. And so Joshua sends two spies. Let me give you this in Joshua chapter 2. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, secretly sent two spies. We're going in the second time. We're going to try and take it. Good. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went in and entered the house of, of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Look what Rahab told them. Uh, uh, before the spies lay down at night, she went up on the roof and said to them, this is shouting news, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that there is a great fear of you falling on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above all and on earth. So now they don't even have to do any reconnaissance. They have the information that they needed God used Rahab. The prostitute was used by God to assure the spies that they were going to successful, be successful when they came. They were going to possess the land. Uh, were you there the day that the God gave the prophecy to the prostitute? She was an unlikely, but she was certainly undeniable. So here's where we are. Securing the land now is not a problem because God had told Rahab, that our enemies know the land belongs to us. Our enemies are not the problem because they are scared of us. And we know that this Jordan that we're camped beside, it's not really the problem because we remember when God parted the Red Sea. So then why are we stuck here? Why are we cooling our heels? Why aren't we seeing a green light, God? It's been too long. Come on, God. Just give us the land. And then let's go back to chapter 3, and I think that God will speak to us. So the Bible says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim, and when they came to the Jordan, there they camped. And God will often call us to a season of camping when you and I believe that we should be moving. We're called to wait 
when we do not want to. Biblical waiting is an active verb indicating to wait is to be aware through all of our senses of what is occurring around us and discerning the right time to do the next thing. And somebody understand that our time is not God's time and our ways are not God's ways. We are positioned, but we are not prepared. So God has dealt with the Canaanites. God dealt with the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, all the people we thought we were going to have to deal with. God dealt with all of them. And now God says, before I can give it to you, I have to deal with you. So we are the barrier in Joshua chapter 3. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp. And so for a few minutes, we're in this space. Pastor Eric, help me with this. We're in this liminal space. There's a new word for you. The word liminal comes from the noun lemon, lemon, which refers to the point at which a psychological or physiological effect begins to be produced. In its most common extended meaning now, it describes a state, watch this church, or a place or condition of transition. That you and I are in the liminal space. We're in the transitional space. And God in his providence, church, he keeps us there for three days. The number three being significant, he keeps us there for three days. So what is God's three-day assignment for people who are positioned but who are not quite prepared? For, three day, for just a few minutes, all of us are going to live these three days with Israel. We're going to go back. And see the assignment that God put on their lives for three days. They're, they're at their bank and the brink, but God says, hold up. So let's go. Here's day one. Day one. Look at somebody and say, good morning. Come on, y'all got to do it. Come on, read with me. Three days. We're going to live three days. Come, look at somebody and say, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You woke up on day one, Israel. You're parked right beside the Jordan. And God has an assignment for you on day one. The day one assignment for all of us who hope to go across this Jordan. God says, my assignment for you today is simply to look back. Now, to be clear, we're not going back, but we are required to look back. Our assignment, church, is to look back and give God thanks, but much more to reconcile the past. Because there are people, places, and things that you and I need to release. Our day one assignment is to look back and understand that, that there have been experiences and people that do not qualify to go here. And so our day one assignment is to look back and, and reconcile the past, the good and the bad. Because you cannot take the past God says, into the future. This land over here is holy. This land is anointed. And there are some things and some people and some experiences that I'm going to need to heal you from before you qualify to go over here. All of us got to the bank of the Jordan. And this bank suggests that we're on the brink. And we can't celebrate that. But here's the problem. We got here through a myriad of different experiences. Some of them were good. Some of them were painful, some joyful, 
some thrilling, and some of us have trauma because the past was traumatic. Some of us had good examples to look up to. Some of us were neglected. Some were abused. Some mistreated. Some of the key people in our lives helped us while others hurt us. Some of us were poor. Some of us were rich. Some of us have been in jail while others of us got away with our crimes. And uh, 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 so, so some of us went to graduate school and professional school. And some of us dropped out of school. Some of us have been lenders while others of us have been borrowers. Some of us have been on food stamps while some of us talked about people who were on food stamps. Some of us come here through divorce. Some of us never married. Some have preferences. Some feel like they can't catch a break. Some have been oppressed while others have aligned with oppressors. Some of us are owners. You're going to be in here somewhere. Don't worry. Some of us have always been renters. Some of us are celebrated while others of us have been denigrated. Some of us are here because of, yet others of us are here in spite of. But today we celebrate that no matter what God has done to bring you through, what he's brought you through to be here. Somebody celebrate it with me. It's God's grace that has brought us all here. We are all on the brink. Nobody's story is any better than anyone else's. We have all lost people. We all have regrets. We all wish things could have been better. We've all gotten over some people, places, and things, but I've got good news. We all have the same destiny, and we're all children of God, and God has spoken new over all of our lives, no matter how you got here. But we cannot be afraid to look back, because some of that will taint the future. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. Not that I have already obtained all of this. I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, come on, everybody, be in this with me. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I haven't got there yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining toward what is ahead, I'm in the press now. God's power comes to free us from the past. The past has no more jurisdiction. I need somebody to get this. This might be your part. This might be why you came today. God told me to tell you that the past don't hold you no more. Whatever happened, come on, you're free from that today in Jesus' name. You don't have to take that forward. I know it was traumatic. I know you can't believe it. I know you've got it buried way deep inside, but that's not God's remedy for you. God wants you to release it today. You don't have to manage it. Come on, somebody. His power will help you release it. Some of us love the past, but God says you have to let it go. And so, so the first prayer, it's like, like it's, it's nighttime now. We're going to go to bed. Wasn't that a tough day? <laughs> Like, wow, that was was a whole day's worth of work. And so it brings us to the first prayer. It is, church, the prayer of release. That you can't go here unless you're willing to release something. And some of it is good. I think we got a picture here. I'm going to show you one of my good ones. Uh, I'll see if we can cue up that picture. Yeah, see that, see that, see that. Like, those guys did right by me. That's my father and my grandfather. Picture's bad. I'm motivated by the picture. That's Titus Rush, James Rush, both pastors there in the pulpit right there. I think this is even before I was born. And 
One died in 74, one died in 77. So they did not make it to the brink of this Jordan. They never got here. Maybe they saw it. I don't know. I don't know that they ever could hope that they could be in a multicultural, multi-ethnic church. But they are the reason I'm here. I have to reconcile them. I love them. They didn't leave me a bunch of money or nothing like that. They did the best they could. But they left me my identity. They told me what the family business was. They told me that we love God and we preach and we look to the hills from which comes our help. Our help comes from the Lord. They did all I needed to know. They gave me all I needed to know. They were good, but I even have to reconcile them. I have to understand that they didn't make it to the brink of this Jordan. So while I'm inspired by them, they gave me my identity. I even have to leave them to go ahead and see what God has for me in the next round. Well, that was a big day. I'm exhausted. Y'all exhausted? (laughs) Being released is exhausting work, man. That's hard work. So I got to get a good night's sleep, and then here I hear that alarm clock. I wake up. I still feel yesterday. Somebody yawn with me and say, good morning. morning. This is day two. Day two. And just like day one, God has an assignment. Yesterday, God dealt with that. And yesterday, God dealt with them. And now they don't hold me anymore. I'm free to go and live in this. God says, not so fast. You're not ready yet. What's my day two assignment, God, since I have to sit here for three days? Yesterday, I looked backward. Today, God's requirement on me is to look inward. Today, God wants to deal with me. Today, the assignment is repent of your sins because you need to be renewed in your heart, in your head, and in your hands. So after a prayer of release, we are no longer bound by external factors. But we're not out of the woods yet. Today's assignment, God says, look inside. It is to come to terms with who we really are, not who other people think we are, and not this overinflated sense that we have of ourselves. God has us camped here, watch this church, because there is a work that God has to do in us. God is not just working for us, God is working in us. This is some of the hardest work we will have to do, is to let God put us back on the potter's wheel to break us, to stretch us, to mend us, to mold us, and to put us back together again. Because here's the problem, church. We struggle to see ourselves. Let me give you this scripture. In 1st 2nd Samuel, the Lord said to Nathan, the Lord sent Nathan to David. And when he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich, the other poor. The rich one had a very large number of sheep and cattle. But the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb. He had bought. He raised it. He grew it up with him and his children. It was like the family pet. It sat around the table. It shared his food, drank it from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler whom had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man 
and said to Nathan, like, where is he at? As surely as the Lord lives, he should die. He must put for the lamb, forte for the lamb four times over because he did such a horrible thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, bro, we're talking about you. You are who we're talking about. You just can't see yourself. Y'all, y'all, and then many of us, just like David, David said, I have sinned against the Lord when it was clear to him. And you and I, just like David, we have to confess that we too have sinned against the Lord and it is disqualifying us. Y'all, we are so close. But God says, here's what God is saying to us. I can't let you touch the new thing with the way you think. I cannot let you touch the new thing with that stuff that's in your heart. I will not let you touch the new thing when your hands are this dirty. Because if you touch it, you're going to tarnish it. If you touch it like you are, you're going to taint it. And God says, I'm going I'm to give you the new thing, but you can't touch it till I touch you. And so here's where we are. And so the Bible says that David came to himself and he prayed this prayer. And you and I have to pray this prayer because no matter what we think of ourselves, when we stand in front of a holy God, there is cleansing work that needs to be done. And, and, and you can think uh, that you're good and you can think that you're OK. But as long as you stay there in that prideful position, God is never going to let you cross. So David said, have mercy upon me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Somebody lift your hands. Help me yell this. Wash me. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, lift your hands and say, God, wash me. All of my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know I've transgressed and my sin is ever before me. And it's going to keep me in a relegated place. David asked God to create in him a clean heart. And to renew the right spirit within him. And so then David has prayed this prayer of renewal, and you and I have done two days of the work that Israel had to do when they were camped right beside this Jordan. Y'all, this Jordan is not our problem. We are the problem. And God won't open this Jordan until he has dealt with us. And so we go to bed that night, and now we hear an alarm. And it's day three. And maybe you feel beat up because of day new when God said, I'm not going to bless you until you release some things. And maybe you're staggering because, because then it was you who God wanted to deal with. And God says, you know I don't negotiate right. That it's my way. And then you and I have to come before the Lord and repent. And then we have to be renewed. And then our day three assignment Look at somebody and say, oh, good morning. Come on, do me a favor. Look at somebody and say, good morning. Day three, what is God saying in day three? And our day three assignment is a little different. Now that we've done a work of releasing and a work of renewing, God simply says on day three, you can now look forward. Isn't that good news? Come on, everybody, shout, because we're looking forward now. 
so what's our assignment on day three? God says, rejoice in the Lord because God has made you ready. That now you're ready to walk into the new thing. Now you're qualified to touch it. Now you're qualified to operate in it. The psalmist said this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all men that the Lord is at hand. And when you do not have to be anxious about anything, by everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. After a prayer of releasing, church, and after a prayer of renewing, there's only one thing for you and I to do. It's time to rejoice in the Lord. It's time to get the party started. We've overcome the last hurdle. We have cleared the last obstacle. It was us. It was what we thought. It was our past. Now we can rejoice because God has given us a level playing field. We are all on the same terms. And now we are ready for the final and finishing instructions. And here's what, they, here's what Joshua stepped out and said. Now, this is the last thing you need to know, right? Because you're at the airport, and every time you get to the airport, that doesn't mean you're ready to fly. you got to check your bags. you got to go to security. And now you've gone to security, and you're just sitting there waiting on your flight to come. And David gives us our final, Joshua gives us our final instructions. He simply says this, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. God is getting ready to do something amazing for you and through you. It is this command that you and I should be sanctified, that we should consecrate ourselves to the Lord. And, and we all have God's spirit abiding in us. The command is to consecrate ourselves, to sanctify ourselves, to let God's spirit come over and make us new. And Pastor E, here's what I love about true sanctification. That, listen church, when we are sanctified, true sanctification is also decentralization. That when we are sanctified, letting God do this work in us, then there can be no big U's and little I's or big I's and little U's. That the work of sanctification is also a work of decentralization where high things are brought low and low things are brought high and at the foot of Christ, we're all equal. That there is no hierarchy in sanctification. The rich are no better than the poor when we are sanctified. There is no ethnic uh, 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 preference when we're sanctified. It is the ultimate leveling. And why should we shout? Why should we rejoice? Because now we've gone through a process of sanctification and innate in a process of sanctification is decentralization. Now we're available for unification. We can do it together. It belongs to all of us. That ground over there. You know what God calls that ground on the other side of the Jordan? That's God's ground, but that's common ground. It's common ground on the other side of the Jordan. And God says, I can't let you take common ground when you're dealing with all of that mess. I can't let you walk into common ground when you think you're better than other people. No, the new is over there, but I have to make you new over here. So now we can rejoice. Because now not only are we positioned, we are prepared. 
the church that we are called to be, the family that you are called to be, the marriage that you are called to have, the thing that, that was not clear when you left here, you've gotten here. And God says, because you were willing to do the work of sanctification, shout with me. It's time to shout. You can walk in now. You can take the land. It belongs to you. But church, that is common ground. And we cannot touch common ground. We cannot operate in the new ground, the new land, with the old mindset, with the old heart, with the old mind. And be renewed, transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we just walked three days with Israel. We walked with them in the day of releasing. We walked with them in a day of renewing. And we walked with them in a day of rejoicing. I'm going to pray today because what we celebrate today is that everybody that's here, we're all on the brink. A lot of people didn't make it here, but we did. But just because we're positioned, church, doesn't mean we're prepared. We see diversity in our sanctuary right now, but that's only step one. We have to do the spiritual work so that we can all walk in to common ground. Come on, everybody. Let's give God praise for his word. I want to pray. If you're here today, I feel a move of God, Pastor. I feel a move of God that somebody has been carrying something for years. And when I was preparing this sermon, God says something happened to you years ago, and you're going to have to confess it in front of the church, and, it, and you can't go any further. I was 16 years old. This guy named Mr. C, so I, I was fresh off football season. I know I don't look like it now, but way back then, I was, I was all right, right? And I got, I got, what was that award? Most improved underclassman. Used to catch a few footballs. And I was walking through the hall, and it was fall time. I didn't know why when the days got shorter and it got colder, my mind works differently. I, I didn't know anything about schedule. I didn't know anything about sleep schedule. I just felt funny. It's depressed. I didn't know it till I got to be an adult and look back. But I didn't understand. Like, I, I was balling. So I'm walking down the hall at Tech High School in the main Treadwell Hall, and this man that everybody told me I had to respect, he's, he, was, he was an authority figure. He waited until I got to a big crowd of people. Everybody was passing classes, man. I was minding my own business. And he yelled out in front of a group of people, Kenneth Rush, he can run fast, but he can't pass. He didn't know I was depressed. He didn't know what that did to me. He didn't know I didn't even like school because I didn't dress well. Like, I, I didn't even want to be here in the first place. Came to school to play football. It's <laughs> my favorite thing. And I hated him. I think I still hate him. 
But today, I'm going to give it to God. And maybe you, like me, have something that somebody tried to speak over their life. Somebody did something to you. And for years, you just lived around that, tried to manage that, tried to deal with that. You messed my life up because I went to college, I graduated, I did well. But a lot of what I did was to prove him wrong. I think it's time to let him go. God told me you're going to have to let him go today. And maybe you, like me, maybe there's something God can heal in your life today. Maybe there's something God can move, something you've been managing. If the word of the Lord speaks to you today, come on, be bold, jump out there. Would you just stand with me today? I'm standing. Would you stand with me today and lift your hands with me and say, God, like David, I really can't see myself. I do things, and I always think I'm okay. But today your word was like a mirror. It showed me that I need you. The people who need God most are the people who don't think they need him at all. I'm standing. I'm going to pray, but I'm also on the altar. I've got some work to do. Would you stand with me this morning? If there's something in your heart, if there's something in your life, there's something in your life, whatever would keep you or whatever would keep God from opening that river to you, this is the day to deal with that. This is the day to deal with that.